you must be the change you wish to see in the world m k gandhi we want to change so much we want to change borders policies the environment the way business is conducted and the way people behave we talk about the need for change we offer solutions on how to bring about change most often in our quest for change we place the onus to change on someone else we forget that we actually have little control over the world what we have control over is ourselves yet we look outside and not within mahatma gandhi's words are so true as human beings our greatness lies not so much in being able to remake the world that is the myth of the atomic age as in being able to remake ourselves we want to change our children after all this book is about changing our children for the better our children want to change a lot of things too many of us however do not know what our children want to change we do not have that conversation because we do not have the time or we believe that our child is too young to discuss this with if we have this discussion we will be surprised at what they say i sometimes ask children about what they want to alter they always have lots to say they don't want homework and exams they don't want their classmates to tease them they want the world to be a happier place for their parents to not be parents all the time for parents to spend more time with them they want quality time and individual attention they want their parents to be role models like us our children want others to change they want to see the change but are not willing to change themselves ask them if they will stop teasing others and the answer will be but he started it not me you want me not to retaliate among the different values that i have touched upon the ability to recognize that change has to begin within oneself is the hardest to inculcate we as parents must first be the change we wish to see in the world and our children if we do not we might as well not have this discussion with our children we hate being criticized but we criticize our children often we like to be praised but how often do we praise our children we do praise them for winning awards and excelling in academics and sports do we praise them for smaller achievements do we praise them for good behavior we take that for granted don't we if we stop criticizing them and become lavish in compliments they will return the favor we often say to ourselves it is so hard to change now i am so set in my ways then we should not be surprised to hear from our 12 year old i have been doing this for a while i cannot change now or i would like to change show me how by changing yourself first
On 2nd October some years ago, the three of us decided to visit Rajghat. We spent time admiring the tranquility that Rajghat exudes. Mahatma Gandhi is my hero and I've been waiting for Devan to reach the age when we could start talking about Gandhi's life, his values and his principles. A visit to Rajghat set the stage for our discussion. Gandhi changed himself and in the process changed the world. For him, truth and ahimsa were guiding principles that he adhered to his entire life. Setting an example is not the main means of influencing others. It is the only means, said Albert Einstein. A lady once brought her son to Gandhi. She was worried that he ate too much jaggery and that it would damage his health. She requested Gandhi to counsel her son about this. Gandhi paused for a moment and then asked the lady to bring her son back after a few days. When they returned, Gandhi told the boy that he shouldn't eat too much jaggery as it could be harmful. The lady was surprised. She asked Gandhi why he had not said this at the first meeting. Gandhi replied, I needed a few days to give up eating jaggery so that I could counsel your son with conviction. When he started living in an ashram, he expected everyone in the ashram to adhere to the rules. These rules included compliance with moral values, cleaning of toilets, personal hygiene, non-violence, prayer, and truth. Devang, when someone digressed, how do you think Mahatma Gandhi reacted? What would most people have done? Punish and set an example so that others do not follow, came the reply. But then, Gandhi was different. He fasted on several occasions because someone in the ashram had lied or stolen or behaved in a manner unbecoming of the high moral standards of the ashram. He did not seek to reprimand or punish. Instead, he chose to appeal to the conscience of those who had sinned by causing himself pain. He also chose to live in poverty as he was leading people, many of whom lived in poverty. Once fond of dressing in the choicest English suits, he preferred to dress himself in a loincloth and shawl. He spun cloth himself and thus made thousands follow him. According to him, an ounce of practice is worth much more than tons of preaching. When Gandhi led the Indian freedom struggle using the principles of Ahimsa and Satyagraha, a policy of passive political resistance, he knew that there were many who believed that his principles would not help achieve freedom. He didn't expect his views to be accepted immediately. He stressed, I will not wait till I have converted the whole society to my view, but will straight away make a beginning with myself. With that belief, 
He won India its independence. Over the years, Devang and I have discussed examples from Mahatma Gandhi's life. Whenever I saw an example of tolerance, non-violence or leading by example, I shared it with Devang. We have watched the movie Gandhi on more than one occasion. I often recommend that parents watch this movie with their children. Children often tend to complain that they do not have enough resources to complete the job at hand. Over the years, I have realized that rather than simply explaining or advising them, I get through better if I can give them an example. The one I love to quote is that of Dasharath Manji, who worked as a laborer in a small village in the state of Bihar. This village was next to a mountain and to reach the closest town, one either had to cross the mountain through a narrow and dangerous pass or travel around the peak. One day, Manji's wife was seriously injured trying to cross the mountain. The nearest doctor was 70 kilometers away. Manji decided that something needed to be done to shorten the distance between his village and the town. Appeals had been made earlier to the authorities but had not resulted in any action. He was not sure if the villagers were determined enough to find a solution. Manji, however, decided that he would be the change he wished to see. Armed with a hammer, chisel and shovel, he started carving a road through the mountain. He worked alone, night and day. So intense was his determination that he gave up working in the fields to devote all his time to his ambitious project. Manji's family had to undergo many hardships as he stopped earning. Many days, he went without food. While he was carving out the road, his wife fell gravely ill. Failing to reach a hospital in time, she passed away. Her loss strengthened Manji's resolve. Many villagers thought that Manji had lost his mental balance as the task seemed impossible for one man with access to only basic tools. Undeterred, Manji soldiered on. In 1982, after 22 years of backbreaking hard work and persistence, his road was ready. He created a 360 feet long and 30 feet wide road cutting through the mountain. The path, which used to be only a foot wide, now allows cycles and motorcycles to pass and has transformed the life of villagers, not just in the village, but also 60 other villages. His effort cut down the distance from his village to the town from 70 kilometers to 15 kilometers. Dasharath Manji achieved what was regarded as near impossible with no resources at his disposal other than the will to be the change. I hear about a resource crunch often at work, at social events and surprisingly in the clinic. 
parents often talk about how children do not get enough individual attention from their teachers because the size of the class is large. There is less support for projects because of limited resources, they say. This has an adverse effect on performance, they add. When children hear their parents highlight the excuses, they learn to use excuses themselves. I gently mention to parents that while the teachers have so many children to take care of, parents have one or two or three children to look after. So why can't more individual attention be given at home? Of the families I see, 95% have less than three children and 25% have just one child. It is just so convenient to blame others. It is so hard to recognize what we can do. Subhashini Nistri was one of 14 children. Seven of her siblings died in childhood. She was married at the age of 12. Her four children barely survived on her husband's meager salary. At the age of 23, her husband died for want of proper medical care. Subhashini was distraught. In her sorrow, she took a vow. She would build a hospital for the poor so that others in her circumstances would not have to experience what she did. The responsibility of raising her four children fell on Subhashini. As she was illiterate, the only job available to her was housework. While she toiled to feed her children, she could not earn enough. She had to keep two of her children in an orphanage. Through all her hardship, she kept thinking about the woe she had taken. After her daughters got married and her elder son started working as a labourer, she realised that to fulfil her dream to build a hospital for the poor, one of her children had to become a doctor. Her youngest child, Ajoy, who had grown up in an orphanage, was a good student. Subhashini encouraged him to study hard and pursue medicine. Ajoy successfully passed the All India Medical Entrance Test and secured admission in Calcutta Medical College. A scholarship allowed him to complete his course. In the meantime, through her savings of 20 years amounting to rupees 10,000, Subhashini managed to buy a plot of land in her husband's village. 22 years after her husband's death, Subhashini started the Humanity Hospital in a thatched shed. Appeals were made to local doctors to provide free services. Villagers went door to door collecting surplus medicines. The first doctor signed on and 252 patients were seen on the first day. Ajoy sought support from the local member of parliament to build a concrete roof for the hospital. The MP came forward to help. Through donations, the Humanity Hospital expanded. It now has two operation theatres and 30 beds 
spread across 15,000 square feet. 22 doctors visit the hospital. This hospital for the poor refuses treatment to none. We need to share the stories of Dasharath Manji and Subhashini Mistri with our children. These are two examples of how common men and women have shown what the spirit of being the change can achieve. There are several other examples that could inspire our children. Before we ask anyone to change, we need to look inwards. Next time, we want our children to be more courteous or gentle or kind. We need to see if we ourselves are well-mannered. Before we reprimand them for being late, we need to think how often we have kept them waiting. We need to make a list of things we should change about ourselves before asking our children to change. We could ask our children to point out the things they would like us to change. We need to be prepared to see a rather long list and unexpected things. When I did this exercise with Devang, spending quality time and being calmer topped the list. I made an effort to block Sunday afternoons for quality time and made a conscious effort to be calmer. As Devang saw items on the list being ticked, he came up to me one day and said, "Dad, will you help me make a list of things I need to change?" The world is changed by your example, not by your opinion. Paulo Coelho. <laughs>